Good morning, y'all. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to the Hashtag Racing Family Show. My apologies for a slightly tardy start to the program to deal with the, uh, an important call coming in, family-related, so apologies for the slight delay in getting rolling here. But thanks for joining in for Hashtag Racing Family Show. Bit of a impromptu one, rain delay for the Indy Open test. Provided an opportunity for our pal Beth Peretta and hopefully my co-host Chris Wheeler here to join in. And we'll do about a half hour, I think, uh, around about a half hour or so of our Hashtag Racing Family show. And then I need to uh, jump back and uh, handle some family-related business. How y'all doing? Uh, I hope you enjoy, if you have listened before. I hope you enjoy this little Hashtag Racing Family thing that we are slowly building and creating i know yesterday was a very important day for beth with her announcement and so we're gonna try and learn a little bit more um see what all she might bring uh bring to us about what that day was like and uh see uh see what we might learn and go from there so what can i tell you uh hoping we're going to get some Indie Open test running here, not sure exactly how soon, but sometime soon here. Uh, if you want to know further confirmation how much of an idiot I happen to be, uh, woke up an hour before I needed to and was all ready to go at 7 a.m. for the start of practice and then realized, yeah, it starts at uh, 8 my time here out in California, so Yet again, for the proof of my idiocy, but I see some good friends here. A couple friends from uh, Holland. Uh, I see, who all do I see? We've got Asher, Alyssa, our pal Alyssa, and I also see a dear pal by the name of Beth Peretta, who has joined in here. So hopefully we will get uh, Beth all cooked up. I see our friend, super awesome pal. I'm going to invite her to speak as well, Katie Kyle doing big things as well. Beth, why don't you unmute yourself and say hello to our uh, friends here in the little hashtag racing family show. Hello uh, on this uh, rainy, wet morning in Indianapolis. It's uh, happy to be here. <laughs> well, awesome to have you here, my friend. Why don't we start by saying thank you to our show partners, the good folks at Cooper Tires who look after the road to Indy, the amazing folks at the Justice Brothers, and also torontomotorsports.com, purveyor of amazing IndyCar and similar memorabilia. Beth, you were the uh, the star of the show yesterday. Granted, there wasn't a lot else going on yesterday other than yeah, you. Yeah, it, it was a slow news day, right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> we'll take it, we'll take it. This was a long time coming, and yep. I don't want to lie and pretend like I didn't have a vague clue as to uh, yeah. what was happening. But I'm more interested in telling folks how you got to yesterday, and you have been working like mad for a <laughs> long time to make this happen. This ended up yeah. being not the Indy 500. I know that that mm -hmm. was your, your primary goal and hope, but this ended up being something I would say might be even cooler from the standpoint of this doesn't speak to Pareto Autosport being, quote, one and done every year. Hey, see it, Indy. Then we're going to go away. This mm -hmm. speaks to something bigger. How did we get to this 
multi-race program and with a uh, new associate sponsor as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a long time in coming because, um, you know, even when we, so we announced the existence of our team last year, uh, January of last year, uh, January, January 19th, in fact. Um, and in that announcement, it was always, Hey, we're going to start the Indy 500 with plans to grow from there. And so it was always the, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so the intention was always to try to do more. And so the um, working with Team Penske last year, we uh, the early intention is that we would do the 500 and maybe a race or two as the year went on is what we what it, I could probably say now. No exaggeration. When I first sat down with Roger, he wanted us to do six races last year, which is funny to say now because you know obviously I, I don't think I ever told that story. But um, I met with Roger in late summer, early fall of 2020. It was right after they announced the race for equality and change. And I called him to say, Hey, you know, what is this about? What does it mean? And he said, let's talk. And, you know, and just by means of, of background so that everybody, you know, realizes that uh, I, I've known Roger and worked with Roger in different capacities over the years. So I um, already had an established, you know, working relationship with him. Um, originally when I, I used to work for Aston Martin, the car company, and then I worked at Fiat Chrysler. And um, so I've worked with him both on the car dealership side and the racing side. So I've known him for years. And we sat down in the fall of 2020 and he said, I want you to do the five. Because I actually talked to him about like maybe doing indie lights and then climbing up. And he just literally said, he's like, I want you an indie car. Why don't you just start an indie car? Which is always sort of funny. Like, yeah, why don't you just start an indie car? Like, you know, it's like, it, you know, Everyone would love to do that, but how do you do that? And he said, let's work together. Something we all right. do easily. Right. Aha, we will just magically start at the Indy exactly. 500. And so respectfully, like, and I get that there's a lot of probably people that have always kind of scratched their head as like, why is this team doing this? And or, this team came out of nowhere. And I totally understand that that's maybe how it looked to people. So, um, but this was, you know, a lot of discussion and a lot of planning. And um his thought was, what if you did the first five races last year? Like the, the idea of like that way we could get, you know, put this new team together. They could start to get um, used to working together. You know, it would give it get Simona back in the car, back on track. Because remember, although, you know, she, obviously she's been in IndyCar before, the car has evolved a lot since she was last in IndyCar. You know, easiest uh, obvious thing is the aero screen. And there's a lot of things you need to um, you know, adapt to have some, some seat time to be able to adapt to that. So, and Roger being Roger and wanting to go about things the right way and thinking of competition, rightfully, he's thinking, let's, um, you know, let's give her as much time prior to the 500. So that's kind of how the initial conversation started. It then whittled down to just the 500 again, because of constraints. And, um, you know, as I, I think I even said yesterday in, in the press conference, um, there are so many moving pieces when you see these teams come together. Case in point, the whole dialogue right now about the 33rd car. The reason there's so much back and forth, and it isn't the days of when there were 45 cars or 50 cars going out. Um, and it's funny because you see people like, oh, you know, you know, I could do this or I, I you know, why, why is this? 
why are these teams struggling so much? The business model has changed. So if you want to keep referencing to the 70s and 80s of IndyCar and today, they're literally an apple and an orange. And what we need now ingredients wise are different than we needed then. The budgets are way different. The equipment is more expensive. All And case in point, we're not running car. You don't have the ability to run a car that's five years old with, you know, from seven engine suppliers, whatever I'm saying, a number, it was never seven, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, there, the, the rule book is different. The windows are smaller of, of what, um, you know, what's homologated to go. So with that said, there were constraints last year that basically got us to land on, let's do the 500 and then maybe a couple races later in the year. So we rented the car from Junkos and, um, Team Penske helped to prepare the car. They helped us train our women on the pit crew. Like they literally, you know, every race team has a setup in their shop. That's literally, they have a gym so that they can work out. And I say every race team, but really almost every race team. And then they have an area where they can do mock pit stops because right, you have to train for that. It's a lot of physical movement. It's, you know, and so when you get somebody that's new to it, or they need to also keep their skills sharp, they train at the shop. So these uh, women who we hired were rookies, some of them new to racing at all. Like we actually um, found some women who were college athletes because we, we knew that there, you know, there's a, a fair amount of, uh, you know, like there's a, a, a fair level of physical uh, strength and dexterity that you need to have to do this. And so if we're going to get people to try to learn how to do this, we had to kind of start with the baseline. So that's where we found people and they went through this pet, that, pet training. That, that part, Beth, uh, I think was so... <laughs> underserved last year uh just from an awesomeness standpoint if i use the model that is most often referred to it's nascar and nascar teams and nascar broadcasters saying hey uh the right rear tire changer on the such and such cup team was a linebacker Mm -hmm. in the whatever college sports and uh these are all folks that could have made it to the nfl or nba or other things men 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 testosterone The, hey, you know what, there's some amazing women mm-hmm. competing in, in collegiate athletics as well who have the, the physical gifts of strength and dexterity and speed. And guess what? They can change tires, too, and exactly. do other things. I just, again, I don't think anyone really appreciated enough that you were saying, you know what, uh, there are some amazing women uh, who are just as skilled who can do this, too. So a full appreciation to your talent spotting there. But to that point, though, Marshall, exactly. The NASCAR model and the IndyCar model are different. And so IndyCar pit crew is usually, they're also usually the mechanics, right? So you have a front-end mechanic, rear-end mechanic. They're usually doing double duty where they have their mechanical responsibility uh, or their their team responsibility when they're working on the car and they're doing pit stops. So like your gearbox person may also be your air jack person because they're in the back of the car. It's where the gearbox is. And so they kind of do, you know, they do something during the day. And then when they're going over the wall, they have their, their designated role. And I knew that in order for us to have this, this visual example of women being able to do some of these things, again, there were never going to be enough women turnkey off the shelf that would be able to compete at the highest pro level of this sport. There are a few women on other teams. Fantastic. I can't steal them. I'm not poaching Angela Ashmore or Anna Chatton. They're working on other teams, so I can't have them. So there aren't enough even in other series or junior ranks that were ready. So the answer was to build them. So what I, I actually borrowed the NASCAR model because the NASCAR model is different than the IndyCar model because the physicality of a NASCAR pit stop 
is different. It's a little bit more brutal. Those people usually are flying just over the wall crew. To your point, this like that NF, ex-NFL um, you know, player isn't a, a rear-end mechanic on the car during the week. That person is usually just flown in and they're the pit crew. So they kind of have this They've got the mechanics and the pit crew. So what I did is I kind of took a page from the NASCAR book and applied it to IndyCar because that isn't the norm, but that was going to be the short-term solution. And then some of the women have mechanical aptitude and interest, and so we've then uh, trained them, and they've been basically like apprentice to um, the seasoned veteran to learn what it's like to work on an IndyCar engine or work on, you know, I mean, a little bit of like, let's let's show you how, you know, let's show you how to work on the gearbox and all the things that you would learn over years. Um, but we, that's, that was my solve for that is like, let me just kind of do this a little differently than the other teams. What that meant is I also, it was a little bit more expensive because I had to have extra people. I had to like double up on payroll in some of those spots. But what was amazing to your point about like that story kind of not being, you saw the women, but, um, the thing that was amazing, it was a year ago now, we did, you know, our open test last year, I think was like the 8th and 9th or 9th and 10th, whatever it was, you know, maybe two weeks earlier last year. But when we got to the speedway for the open test, so right now, you know, this kind of vibe where it's just the teams, the public really isn't there. Um, these, none of the women on our crew had ever been to the speedway. So imagine your first experience coming to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And you know how it's such a, if you've never been there, it's bigger than it looks on television. <laughs> it's just this daunting, massive, you know, magical place. And these women were walking in like the, our first day and you could see the excitement. And I'm so glad that they got to, we kind of, it was like they had this slow immersion into IndyCar. So they got to have those moments, those private moments out of public view. They got to get a sense of how big the place was, you know, and whatnot. But I had that moment of realizing like, oh my God, these women are seeing this place for the first time. And their first experience with IndyCar is being on a team. Imagine that. Like, that's crazy. And then when you look at what they um, accomplished, I think I just, I just I find that like it, that was just such a it was such a cool thing to like watch stand back and kind of watch it through their eyes. That is amazing, Beth. want to ask or stay here for just a second, then we'll uh, come back to the announcement of joining forces with Ed Carpenter Racing and this uh, new initiative that you're launching. Another thing that you did in the formation of your uh, your team last year, led by women in almost every capacity, you cared about representation, not just for women, but all kinds of women. And I know folks might have heard you speak about this before, but if they haven't, I truly appreciated, Beth, that you said, you know what? Uh, the thing we're trying to correct is IndyCar looking like all the same thing. So if I'm going to put together a team led by women in almost every capacity, I don't want to make that same mistake of having my team look like all the same thing. There are a lot of women from a lot of different backgrounds uh, that comprise Preta Autosport. That wasn't a mistake. Yeah, it was deliberate. Um, and the thing too, I know everybody, uh, 
you know, you saw the you saw the way the team performed. So the nice thing is kind of the cat is out of the bag. You can see that these women selected for whatever various reasons, they um they hit their marks. They in in many ways they overachieved. They really, I mean, these were people that were interested, uh, willing and able, um, amazing, um, just hard workers. They, and, you know, we also had, we worked closely with team Penske, obviously, and we had these seasoned veterans from team Penske that were working on our car the whole time and really were like leading it. And I was, um, wasn't sure how they would react to this. Cause you know, you're dealing with a lot of rookies at the same time. And, um, they thoroughly enjoyed it because these women showed up to work and, uh, you know, they got there early, they stayed late, they earned the respect of the team. And I think they certainly earned the respect of the paddock, which was really great that it it became it became not a thing, like literally after day one, because it was all right, go there, get this, go there. And everyone just did what, you know, did what was asked of them. And and, and then some. But when we talk about like, when you look at the, the makeup of the team, like you're, you know, you talk about somebody like Maria Grady, who has been a motorsport photographer for I'm not going to say how long, um, but you know, a couple decades and is, is great at what she does. And so it, those opportunities where you say, all right, I need a photographer. Here's a great one. Who's been doing this and please, could you be part of our team? And so Maria of course said, yes. And I've known Maria for years. She is an African-American woman. Everyone in IndyCar knows her. You recognize her by her photo vest, her media vest. And the one thing I said to Maria, though, because if you're a photographer, you're used to being behind the scenes. You're not in the photo. You're the one taking the photo. And so although everyone in IndyCar knows her and she's been there the whole time. And this is the thing, too. Like the, the reason I say that we're shining this light here is because we, the women were here all along or there has been a bit of, you know, a, a diversity. Like, you know, you look at NHRA, super has a diverse paddock. So I look at it like these are things that we should celebrate because it's there. So but let's shine a spotlight on it because it might give, have it might allow us to get more fans. And let's just grow our fan base because everything we can do to grow our fan base is good for all of us. So when I asked Maria to be part of our team, I said to her, I said, would you, though, be willing to have your face on our website and do this because I think that representation matters so that other people see, first of all, at the very least, also so that people realize that these are roles that matter to make a race team happen. Everybody always wants to talk about, like, you know, the, the front tire and the front tire is critically important. But we also need the person that's the business person and the PR person and the person that the sponsor relations person like these are all roles that you know you don't ever see them on race day but they're the ones you know behind the scenes working you know all through the winter to make everything happen too so i said to maria are you comfortable with um being in front of the camera sometimes because i think it really helps for young women to see you as representation but also the role that you're in and bless her she said yes because you know often some of these and really a lot of these engineers and mechanics too aren't used to being front and center Ever, all the attention's always the driver so Every woman who we interviewed and then hired, we said, you know, you have to be comfortable with this. And they all did. And I'm so grateful because it meant more to young women and fans. I think they now know, you know, because they got a lot of feedback and they met a lot of fans. But that was really important to me that we um, allowed all of their stories to be told. And we kind of shined a light on all of them. And in fairness, I wish every other team did that too. Like our hero card, one side is Simone at the back. We had a picture of the crew. We had a picture of the ladies and the crew. And I wish other teams did more of that because the, all these crew members, you know, they're, they're keeping that car on the track and making it go fast, you know, just as much as, as everybody else on the team.
black women, white women, Muslim women, uh, whether yep. it's faith, whether it is ethnicity, whether it is aptitude. Again, you took a look at Pareto Autosport in its 2021 debut, and you said that is a beautiful and accurate depiction of real life brought to pit lane. Mm-hmm. Amen, Beth. Why don't we uh, welcome in our co-host, Chris Wheeler, who's trying not to get rained on in a, a spotter stand at Indianapolis as well. How you doing, Chris? We also need to welcome in our dear friend, Miss Katie Kyle, someone who, like you, Beth, is always trying to do big things to make racing a more representative place of the world we live in. Well, hi, Marshall, and hi, Beth, and hello, Miss Katie. I deeply apologize um, that Marshall put together a show in the middle of my work day, but luckily... <laughs> Luckily, the track is, we have not reclaimed the track yet here in Indianapolis. Um, but no, sorry, Beth, for missing the start of this one. I got to say, um, and, and if I missed this because I wasn't here, I deeply apologize. But what I'm so excited about, and first off, congratulations on yesterday's announcement. What excites me the most about it is that it's not at the Indy 500. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that yeah. is because I love what you did last year. And I love the exposure that you brought to everything that you're trying to put together. Right. But I'm really excited to see it it it, it go to different markets now. Exactly. It's like, gro- it's also growth because these ladies are going to now get a chance to see how what a race weekend is in Road America. Well, uh, it's so cool and like I, I I talked with some friends of ours on on um on here a few weeks back about you know what we're doing as a sport in communities we race in and it's not just you know, for a long time, it was how do we get more fans? How do we get more fans? And now we're really dissecting that and we're breaking it down to how do we support this? How do we support that? Just today, IMS announced they're not going to release balloons this year because of how it affects certain yeah. things. Yep. And so as we look to that, I've been a big advocate of going into the towns and the more we can do and the more cities we can go to, that's the more young people, new people, you know, male, female, black, white. It's the more people that we can reach and teach what we do and how they can be a part of it. And that's why I'm so excited about your program getting outside of Indianapolis and giving some of these other cities an opportunity to see your movement and what you're putting together. Thank you. Thank you. And we we can't wait to, um, you know, we're we're going to be planning things sort of before and after the race weekend as much as we can, because, you know, we we, exactly that, you know, if whether it's school visits or having schools come to the track, because it's you know, maybe they would never have considered coming before. And maybe if we're the reason they might come great. And and again, it's, and it's also better for everybody, right? If more people are coming to the track on a given day that wouldn't have considered it, it helps, you know, the Andretti's, the Ganassi's, the, you know, the Penske's, the Ray Hall's. No, it's, it's true. And I, I get a lot of crap from people because I'll watch a lot of what they call stupid TV. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm a Chicago Wednesday person, right? So I watch all the Chicago shows and this part has come up in conversation recently that in the Chicago Fire show, one of the females started a program to go to schools and invite young women to come out and learn how to the, the, the world of being a firefighter. Oh, wow. To, in time, increase the amount of women firefighters. Now, granted, it's a television show and we get that. But the writers in it have painted this great photo mm-hmm. of, of how this model works in getting out in communities. And so... I associate that deeply with you and, and kind of what you're doing. And, and let's be honest, I, I truly just wanted to make sure you guys race this year so I could get another awesome Christmas ornament too. I know. Right. Huh? Well, there's going to be a series. <laughs> there's going to be collectibles. Uh-huh. Um, and Marshall Pruitt, he kind of dabbed on this, but I get to officially do it. 
somebody who means a lot in my world, Katie Kyle, unmute yourself and welcome to the Hashtag Racing Family. And Katie has to go in a moment, by the way. But yeah, Uh-oh. if you're still with us, Katie, please at least say hello. And we would love to have you uh, as you are able uh, to join Aww. us as a co-host here in the future. We lost her. Nope. Well, she's listed. She's listed there. Are we listener? She says it says listener. Uh-oh. Yeah, she she went from speaker to listener. It's usually the first step of I'm leaving the room. Uh, um, look what you but, did, Wheeler. You well, ran off our pal Katie. Well, so funny enough, Katie and I we we see each other a lot because uh, her her firstborn child is my non real but what I consider my niece, and so um, she's probably probably dealing something with that precious little angel. But um, yes. and she's got this awesome new gig. Her yep. new job. She's been killing it with that, but we do miss her at the racetrack. I can tell you that. We do. We do. So, so Beth, like what, as we, as we fast forward here, and again, if I miss this, I'm sorry. What, what are you most looking forward to on the competition side, you know, with, with kind of venturing out a little bit? Well, I think first of all, it, um, these are tracks that Simona hopefully is going to also show really well at. She's excited to get back to Road and Street because it's you know totally in her wheelhouse. So I think you're going to because even though we haven't seen her in IndyCar for a few years, you know she was doing Formula E. She's still a reserve driver for Porsche Formula E. She does a ton of simulator work. Um, so Road, you know, Street is she's strong in Street. She's uh, her last you know she podiumed at Houston on the streets. Um, and so I think it's super uh, suited to her style, which is good. Um, so markets, the track suiting her style, the fact that the women are going to get to, the, the crew is going to get to new places and it adds to their, um, just their their evolution as a team. You know, we actually, we're losing a couple of women that we had last year to this year. Um, Caitlin Brown, who was actually on here earlier, I don't know if she dropped off, but Caitlin Brown was our inside front tire changer and she worked at Penske on the NASCAR side. Um, and in like, in, I think like assembly and tear down and, and, um, but she, uh, tried out for our team, made, made, made the team and was our inside front tire. She now is on McLaughlin's car. Like the fact that she did so well with our team after our 500 was done, they absorbed her onto the IndyCar side. And so to see that progress was really exciting. So you know, um, we're now going to be getting, um, you know, trying out some other women to kind of backfill some of those people that have been, you know, moved into like other great full-time roles. Um, so going to new places, I think is good because it sort of adds, it'll add to their skill set, new markets. And then, um, I'm also really excited to be working with Ed Carpenter racing because they're so, um, it's such a good fit for us. I think, uh, we're going to learn so much from them and it, you know, it's going to give them also an, you know, another data point. It's nice to run three cars. So there's some value for them too. And, um, and you know, if, if, you know, it'll, it'll be nice to kind of just work together and, and try to, you know, make both teams, uh, stronger. You know, Beth, well, well, sorry, brother, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you kind of hit the nail on the head there um, as far as Ed Carpenter part. one of the, uh, I think a lot of people sleep on Ed Carpenter Racing, and they don't realize how family-oriented it is and how from start to finish over the years in that program, how Ed and his group have managed to keep it that same vibe, that same style. You know, there's a reason that they don't have a big turnaround in employees because they take care yes. of people so well. Yep. And there's a reason that, you know, it's so rare – that we get opportunities, you know, somebody leaves there to go to another team. It's really rare, right, for that to be a thing. And a lot right. of people would jump at the opportunity to go to work for them because, you know, they're such a good program. And it just I can't say enough good things about Ed and what he's done there. 
Absolutely. And um, so when I when I talked to um, Chevrolet about it, you know, because I kind of had a check in with them at the end of last year and I said, OK, so this is what I'm thinking. And I really want to do more um, because, you know, for me to do the 500 and more races, you know, looking at that again. But I was like, OK, if the 500 is having this constraint, which we all knew was happening, case in point, look where we are. I said, OK, then. I'm fine with dropping that to be able to make the other thing happen, uh, meaning the the other thing being, you know, three or more races that then became more important to me. And then that's when I just kind of pivoted to that. So I did it, you know, I pivoted a couple months ago. Um, and then when I talked to Chevrolet, I said, you know, what about what do you think? Because I did sit down, you know, I sit down, sat down with a lot of teams um, also just to kind of like I literally bless, you know, I sat down with Chip Ganassi back in November because, you know, like these pe- people are friends of mine. And I just said, you know, I want to pick your brain a little bit on how, how you think I should build this. Cause this is what I'm thinking I want to build, but like, what would you do? And he was so generous with his time. And we, you know, I've sat in his office and we kind of talked through some stuff and he's like, this is what I think you should do and blah, blah, blah. So it was just nice to kind of get feedback. And I reached out to Chevrolet and I said, you know, I really feel like Ed, Ed Carpenter would be a good, good fit. And they said, we love that idea. And, um, so then I approached Ed and we, I mean, I, I'd already been talking to him a little bit, like, you know, earlier in the year, but it like, it gave me the kind of the shot in the arm to say, yep, that I think would be a good fit. And, you know, you should reach out to him. And and then here we are. Beth, I'm going to ask our friends and listeners here, if you want to ask a question, uh, hit the old request button here and we'll get to you in just a moment and uh, get you connected with our pal, Beth Peretta. So Beth, let's talk about the choice of Ed Carpenter Racing. And tell me if I'm accurate at all here. I said this on my uh, Weekend IndyCar Listener Q&A show last night, so hopefully I'm not totally off. But knowing Ed as I do, this is a family person. He's a family man. Uh, Absolutely, beyond just loving his children to an extraordinary level, (laughs) this is is a, a man who loves his wife, Heather, supports his wife heather in all of her business dealings uh you know and she's a a highly accomplished uh businesswoman as well thinking about who you could have partnered with there are a number of team owners who i won't mention who probably would have received your inquiry as a business opportunity first and foremost Yep. Uh, and maybe seeing your your women led program as maybe a a sub uh, set of interest, a little token. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. But probably would have just seen this more as, uh, hey, maybe there's some money to be made off of this and the women thing. All right, cool. But that's not really my central focus. Ed seems like the exact perfect person in the paddock to not only get what you were wanting to do from building your team, but also his heart is in a place where you and the advancement of women in motor racing would be something that I think would land with him as something that was truly important. Is any of that uh, close to being accurate? I think that's spot on. Uh, Of course. Um, Absolutely true. And which also is why when I spoke to him a few years ago, um, and just kind of walked through it and like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'd like to do long-term. Um, he got it, you know, he's a business person. Cause you know, it's funny. And I, I said this yesterday in the press conference, like 
as a team owner, you have this, you almost have dual roles. You're running a competitive enterprise and a commercial enterprise. And those things have to be working together, but they're both, they're both, um, they're different tasks, right? And, um, and the the balance and, and the ballet between that is is what you have to kind of learn to master. And so that's why I say too, competitively, you want to always make sure like, you know, what we're trying to do has commercial value, but I also don't want it to be a competitive drain because then it doesn't, you know, I need to have a partner who is going to get value from us in a lot of different ways. And it's not just, Hey, I'm stroking you a check at Carpenter and great, you know, buy yourself a trip to, you know, wherever it's not, it has to be, it has to mean more than that. It has to mean more commercially and competitively, but then realistically, just like as we're aligning with our sponsors, like we announced KiwiCo yesterday, which is this toy company. It's like these, you know, these, um, hands-on learning toys. Why them? Because it's a good fit for our messaging. And at any time you can have alignment in any business, it, it just, it, it makes everything fire on all cylinders, literally and figuratively. So that's why Ed, you know, that you're absolutely right. Like Ed literally ticked all the boxes. That's awesome. Why don't we welcome in our pal? I see we've got a couple members of the Day listener group, Cassie Johnston. Why don't you unmute yourself and connect with the awesome Beth Peretta? Hi, everybody. Hi, Beth. Hello. I, I just wanted to first say congratulations. I, as a woman who has loved motorsports my entire life, and like the mom of a daughter who is seven years old, this was just a super exciting announcement for us. And so our family is very excited to see you at racetracks this year. Yeah. Um, my question kind of piggybacks off of what you were talking about with KiwiCo. It's, I mean, I think any parent knows what KiwiCo is and it is such a natural fit for your mission and what you guys are doing. And I'm kind of curious how that came about and if we can look forward to any sort of awesome sponsorship sponsor activation going forward, maybe a IndyCar box or uh -huh. um, something going on at the track. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, that is a great question. And I'm so glad you asked that because I think one thing that is great about racing fans, by the way, we talk about this all the time in, in sports business and it's widely known because racing fans understand that sponsorship is how our world goes, goes around. It's wonderful that everybody notices who the sponsors are usually if it's, especially if it's a really good fit. Right. So, um, you know, and, and it's unique to our sport because, you know, as a race team, it, as you, it's our only source of revenue. Um, we don't have a, an arena. We're not getting part of the ticket sales, you know, contrary to popular belief, we don't get a, you know, a cut of the concession stands or the, a cut of the, the, you know, the door. So, um, KiwiCo, so I work with an agency that's based in the Detroit area that is well known within our, within our business called Sports Management Network. And they actively, um, work to try to find sponsor partners that would be a good fit for whatever, like their, whoever their client is. So for us, the nice thing is it kind of lends itself to some clients that, or some, some, some categories that, uh, are kind of right up our alley. And, um, and, and respectfully, I say too, like, don't go after the auto parts store or the this or that, because everyone else in the grid is doing that and kind of let them do that. Like, you know, but if we can go for women's consumer products or this and that, we should, because that's, um, that's kind of our competitive advantage or that's our unique angle. And let's do that because, you know, you're the other teams, uh, you know, kind of like leaving, leaving enough for everybody. So when we went through this criteria, they sought out, they found, you know, they landed on KiwiCo. They, they literally, uh, cold called them 
And we invited people from KiwiCo to Long Beach last year when Long Beach was in September. And um, the, the couple of the women, the CMO who was with us yesterday and the director of marketing, uh, so Katie Sue and Andrea Chen, they happen to be based in the LA area. So we said, hey, do you want to come to Long Beach? And um, they did. And we hosted them there for what one day. Uh, and you know, the typical thing about Indy, the, the thing that, about IndyCar that's fantastic, and the, these, they had never been to, um, they'd never been in Long Beach before. They'd never been, you know, to, to be that up close and personal. And IndyCar has this wonderful opportunity that a lot, some, a lot of other racing doesn't. It, it, it's funny, as much as everyone's loving Drive to Survive, you don't get that fan access in, in F1. You just don't. Like, there's nobody's getting that close to the grid. So it's great that there's a documentary series that you could see it. But if you actually buy your ticket to Austin or Miami, you don't get that same thing of being able to be on the starting grid if you happen to be, you know, affiliated with a sponsor or, or even walk through the paddock, you know, and, and, you know, on race day or on, uh, you know, over the weekend on the race weekend, the fact that fans can walk through the paddock is such a cool experience, especially as you can imagine for kids. It's like that, um, that capturing their imagination and that wow factor that they could see the drivers walking around and they could see the car and, you know, the engine covers off and they could see kind of what's going on. Um, so that's how we met KiwiCo. We brought them to a race. They were wowed because they saw the connection. Um, and one thing that is really cool is they're offering a discount to IndyCar fans for like, because it's a subscription, it's a toy service that you could either do subscri subscription or buy like a one-off. So they're doing a discount on the subscription or just buying it online. Um, they are going to activate and be at, uh, Actually, during month of May, they're going to have in the fan zone crates for sale, and it won't be ready for this year. But we're looking for next year, just based on production time, there is going to be uh, a crate affiliated with our team. So, how cool is that? Will they sell it to people who are absolutely not children? Because I'll buy um, one for sure. Well, apparently, they now say that they're like from birth to one hundred and four. Wow. Okay. I like the sound of this. That is, uh, that is really awesome. You know thought, what's so funny? They said to us actually like, Hey, can we, what if we give crates to some of the drivers who have kids and blah, 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 these race cars. And like, it'd be really cool. if like, they could maybe put on social media about the kids racing the cars. And we literally, this is yesterday. We literally said, Oh no, 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 you don't understand. The drivers will build the little race cars and then they will race them amongst each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> these are children in fire suits. <laughs> right. I can, I can see one of your new teammates, Renus VK kind of on his oh. knees going zoom zoom you know exactly. uh, racing it around on the floor here yeah. uh why don't we welcome in our pal matt philpot uh someone who has a an amazing new uh daughter brought into the world here recently as well matt unmute yourself my friend the floor is yours with beth hey thanks y'all um so beth like i'm so glad you mentioned actually that uh, that promo code cassie tip us off in crew day uh yesterday about it and so I'm happy to share that uh, we just signed up for a three-month subscription yesterday. Um, I've got a six-year-old little girl who loves doing arts and crafts type projects, and she was super pumped when I told her. And I just got my shipping notice already today, so in less than 24 hours, they've turned around my uh, my order here. They're, they're pretty pretty damn awesome. Um, I'm curious, will will y'all have any type of presence at any of the races ahead of when the official race schedule starts? Like, for example... When I happen to be wandering around the paddock in Detroit, any chance I'll be seeing any type of Peretta Autosport uh, presence there? 
You absolutely will. And the reason for that is, so we're going to be around the 500 weekend um, because we actually have some some sponsor obligations anyway. And because, you know, sometimes it's hard for a driver to be around on a 500 weekend if they're not racing, but bless Simona, she's like all about (laughs) being there. So it's good. Um, And uh, we're going to be integrated with the team at Detroit because we're kind of hitting the ground running. Simona's going to have some simulator time, but we weren't able to schedule to get a test day prior to Road America because it's right after Detroit. You know, we kind of go, 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 go. And so we're going to be integrated with uh, Ed Carpenter Racing on Detroit weekend, you know, with Simona on the timing stand and getting to know the engineers and sitting in on all the sessions just to really start getting acclimated. So we'll be there. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, why don't we welcome in Eric Jackson? who's from uh, a little hamlet by the name of Hayward, California, which is a 10-minute drive north from where my wife and I live. Eric, unmute yourself and say hello to Beth Peretta. That's 10 minutes without uh, the usual 880 traffic there, Mark. Well, all right, you got me there. Very true. (laughs) Uh, Good morning, everybody. Uh, Beth, congratulations on the news. Um, Thanks. Fantastic to hear. Uh, My mom's a Huge supporter of you. Uh, she bought your hats and shirts last year. Thank you. Uh, my question to you is, do we see possibility of the West Coast swing at the end of the season? Uh, you guys coming out to Portland or uh, Laguna Seca? Well, we uh, announced three with, with possibility of doing more because we, we do have, I have a bit of a schedule thing I'm trying to solve for, which I might be able to solve for. So if so, yeah, we would add, we would add a race. Um, but I probably won't know that for like another, honestly, I won't be, I won't be able to maybe solve for it for like another month. That's why I didn't want to commit to it, but I'm going to try to, right? Like we, like we'd like to do more races if we can and, um, we'll see. I mean, I'd love to do all of them, but, uh, you know, so, oh, so Simone is still a factory driver for Porsche. Um, so there's a constraint there with what her, um, contractual obligations are. Makes sense. I'm going to wind down here a little bit, Beth. Uh, anyone has any final questions you might want to pose, please request to speak, and we'll uh, bring you into uh, the little floor here. You know, another thing that is I find interesting, Beth, and maybe I'll reach out to Simona and do a, a story on this, is the physical preparation for driving an Indy car, not at the Indy 500. Uh, obviously, every driver that competes at the speedway is in great physical shape, but there's not a massive muscular demand, muscular endurance demand to do the 500. We're talking road and street courses though. That is a very different creature in terms of physical demands. Simona, and this was a fascinating thing that she went through compete, competing in IndyCar. Uh, she had to build up a lot of upper body, uh, muscle to throw the thing around <laughs> the tracks with 5,000 plus pounds of downforce. And then when she was looking to try and train and prepare for a potential move to Formula One in some role, the first thing the uh, Sauber team and the folks at Ferrari said was get rid of all of that mass. We don't need it. You have power steering here. So right. you don't need, you know, these big, strong biceps and a core, you know, truly. We need you to downsize yourself in the name of performance. Be interesting to see, and maybe you can share some insights, Beth, on the training that Simone has been putting herself through and getting ready for 
that 5,000 pounds of crazy downforce firing the number 16 Peretta Autosport Chevy through the kink at Road America at a million miles an hour, whipping it around Nashville. This is a case where she now needs to bulk back up uh, mm-hmm. to for the demands of the car. Tell us about that, because maybe that's a, a another underserved part of the preparation for your program. Yeah, to put it in perspective, um, last year, when I was putting the deal together for 2021, I was talking to her in like early fall of 2020. So literally, you know, we probably started talking like in September for May. She immediately started, she went back to the gym. She's like, all right, I need, you know, in preparation, like the deal wasn't even fully inked yet, but she immediately went to go build up her neck because it's neck muscles that for ovals and for the amount of, you know, the amount of downforce and the amount of G's that you're dealing with in, in IndyCar, because she mostly in Porsche had been, although she was reserve driver for uh, Formula E, she has mostly been in GT Porsche racing for them because you basically, as a factory driver, you kind of go in the programs where they place you. So yeah, the first order of business is building up her neck, um, which she did. So for this, uh, a, a, she, in fairness, uh, she's kind of kept up her training since May with the hope that we'd be coming back. So it's not like she kind of went back to zero, but she also announced that she's training for the Swiss bobsled team. Yes. Which is, <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> which is amazing. And I love everything about that for all the reasons. But the funniest thing she told me about it, because I said, I was, you know, because uh, I said, you know, hey, if we're doing more races here, are you going to be able to train in the US? So, like, you can go to Lake Placid and you can go to Colorado. She's like, oh, I've, and like, I think there's like a thing in Salt Lake. She's like, oh, I've already looked into it um, because she's going to, you know, keep up the training, of course, if she's here. But she was telling me that about the bobsled. Because I was like, what is that like? She's like, you know what was hard is, and I'll let her, obviously she tells her better than I can, but she said, you know what's hard is that when you're starting to learn the bobsled, like when you're going down the bobsled track, you don't, you can't go down slowly. So like even your early training runs, you're going down quickly. Like there's no, you don't like work up to it in a lot of ways because, you know, it's gravity. So, you know, there's this, the, the element of, of, you know, learning it is kind of, it's a, a weird thing to have to learn. But she said like the driving part was good, but you know what she had to work on? Her running. She's like, I've never had to be a runner, but for bobsled, you've got to run to jump in. So it's sort of funny, like everything that she's like having, like, uh, wow, every new activity is like, Oh, you've got the, you don't have this muscle. You need this muscle now. So it's funny that you say that about, F1 telling her to slim down. Now she, now they're like, yeah, you're going to need to learn how to run. On That's night. amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Bernard, why don't you unmute yourself? We'll give you the uh, final question uh, among the listeners, and then I'll have one for you to Beth to close. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, with Simona's relationship with uh, Porsche and you guys having a uh, relationship from last year with Penske, is there any chance that you could in the future be running a uh, – Porsche LMDH car somewhere? That is a fantastic question. Um, Porsche and Penske are working on that driver lineup. And I know that uh, Simona had asked to like, see if she could be part of the test test on that. And I don't, I don't know. Like sometimes there is so much pressure on that program right now. I don't know if, at this point, there's there we're not going to be part of it. Um, I would it would be great, um, but you know I'd love to do sports car. I've actually had two manufacturers reach out to me in the past couple of months about um, a sports car situation. Um, you know, certainly North American based, but obviously always with an eye to Le Mans. Um, so 
there isn't there is no discussion for us to work at all with the Porsche program there or for Simona too. Um, but in the broader answer about sports car in general, um, we we both love it. And so if there's a way that we could ever do that in addition to IndyCar, we would certainly look at it and be happy to to be part of that too, because it's awesome. Why don't we go to a last question here, Beth, from, I don't know, an idiot by the name of me. So you posted a photo this morning of yourself from the announcement yesterday. And to your left and to your right were a bunch of people who, wow, if we're talking about power brokers in the auto industry, in motor racing, etc., there were a lot of men standing next to you posing for that photo after the announcement. And I love the fact that that photo represented everything you've been trying to build and trying to create. And that is not a handout. That's not just assistance and treat me like I can't do this uh, without you giving me things. This was a group of power brokers, uh, men by chance, who have all said, you Beth Preta are doing something good, something valuable. You are excellent at what you do. And we stand beside you. And we are going to help pull you and the program upward in any way we can. You tell me about that. And there, this, there's a pretty big bow tie uh, <laughs> involved here. I mean, we're talking about Chevrolet in almost every capacity of what I just mentioned. Uh, Katie Sue was in there as well, as you mentioned, from KiwiCo. But can you tell folks about that here to close? Because you've achieved something you've wanted to, and it's real. There, there, there's no handouts here. No. And thank you for saying that because it, um, I think, and if you heard, if anyone heard the press conference, you could probably watch it up. Uh, I think it's on IndyCar YouTube. Um, there's one moment when I got emotional where like my voice cracked a bit and it was a bit when I was, th- and it was the moment when I was thinking that the, the, um, the folks who had flown in from Detroit, uh, from General Motors, uh, who were there yesterday for the press conference. And just to put that in perspective, it was literally Mark Royce, Jim Campbell, Jim Danahy, Mark Stilo, and Rob Buckner. And um, they wouldn't be coming in for the open test. I mean, this was, they made a trip just to be there for the press conference yesterday and literally just to sit in the audience while the press conference happened. And to have um, that show of support um, where they took the time out of their day and made a trip from Detroit to Indianapolis um, is certainly symbolic and, and important. And um, so the funny thing is the way that I got to the way that I met all of them is I was the motorsport director at Fiat Chrysler. And so I, I joke sometimes with Jim Campbell that we were mortal enemies, obviously like being funny because we were competing on the track in NASCAR and in, and in every, I mean, everything in NASCAR in sports car and NHRA. So we would see each other at the track like you do. I mean, all of us that work for different car companies, we also consider ourselves colleagues, of course, because we're, uh, we see each other week in and week out. We respect each other. Um, and we, we wouldn't have competition without each other. So we all um, value what everybody's doing. And of course, we can also um, commiserate about the challenges, you know, when you're having a, a winning season or a, a tough season and we know what it's like. Right. So it's a it's a it's kind of like this nice fraternity. Um, but it's amazing to now, um, you know, have battled against each other at Le Mans and now be working with them. And um, I, th- the 
that allowed, you know, that um, history, I think, and then me talking to them early on about this is what I want to do. They certainly value it more broadly because they understand the commercial impact, both for car sales and for what it does for racing. And so, you know, they're business minded. So it's not just about, you know, uh, they they get that there's a lot of a lot of um, ingredients to this and a lot of outcomes that you want out of racing and certainly that you do as a car company and I think because we sort of have spoken the same language in the past I mean you know in fairness like I know what they're looking for in a motorsport program because I used to run them for a car company so I and I know the pressures that they're under um, because I had those similar pressures so it's kind of nice that we I think from the beginning we've been able to talk in a shorthand um, but I will say from the very beginning you know I talked to Honda and I talked to Chevrolet Honda was supportive as well but I feel like Chevy for me um, they just I think they saw this the 50,000 foot view when I was first describing it versus like, hi, I'd like to buy engines from you. And it was and I said, but here's why. And this is what I want to do. And they got it. And sometimes when you when you have any startup business and this would apply to anybody with any startup business, you have an idea and you you always remember the people who early on might have validated your thought like hey is this a crazy idea and they're like no i i see what you're saying and for me chevy has been that has been one of those people there've been others um you know but chevy has been one of those people from the beginning that valued what we're trying to do and this isn't just hey there's another car on the grid they're like oh no no we see this because also let, let's be honest they they would love if this gets more women to be eventual employees of their company, right? So they see it, this isn't, and also, let's be honest, if a woman is making the decision for the household and they buy a Chevy Traverse or a Chevy Tahoe, that's good too. I have a feeling a electric Chevy truck might be in uh, the Pruitt family's near future. Nice. Um, I th well, yeah, I think uh, my Marine tells me that we need something uh, a little more robust. So, uh, yes, those decisions are indeed being made. Beth, yep. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm thankful you. for having you not just as a friend, but as someone who is hell bent on oh. achi achieving <laughs> your goals. I'm serious. Look, listen, the, I say the jokers out there who, well, there, who talk, a... but don't act right. You yeah. act. And I just, I, you got to be uh, honored for that. Uh, I well, appreciate you. There's a fine line between tenacious and stubborn. And I am going to say I'm about, so uh, I'm about to, at, uh, in about 15 minutes, um, actually, but, uh, you know, to um, launch online with Lynn St. James. Yes. A, a new organization called Women in Motorsports North America. We're going to do it on EPAR Trade. So you're going to see a press release come out today. Listen, this is my week of press releases. Um, <laughs> but I have been working with Lynn since last year. And I had this wonderful moment with Lynn St. James um, on the starting grid of the Indy 500. Actually, it was before that. It was the morning of the Indy 500. And she came over to talk to our, our team and our crew members. And... And then she and I kind of stepped off to the side and she goes, I can't believe this is real. She's like, you talked about it. I can't believe this is real. And she's like, it's just so amazing to see so many women. And her eyes welled up and she said, I used to feel so alone. And I just hugged her. I said, you're wow. not. I said, we're doing this together. This is, this is you. This is all of us. We need to all work together. This isn't us competing against each other. It's about working together. And that hatched this plan that we're going to be launching today called Women in Motorsport North America, where all of these programs across all disciplines, NHRA, NASCAR, IndyCar, 
SCCA, all roles, anybody like, and then creating actual mentorship programs. And also so that like, if there's a high school young woman who's like, Hey, is this interesting? Where could I find my fit? Where, how can I fit? Like we talked earlier, like the Maria Grady's of the world. I love racing. What can I do? I want to be a photographer. Great. That's a job. That's a job in racing, you know? And, and let's, let's, uh, let's all work together because, and as I'd like to say too, this isn't about taking a, a man. I'm not trying to replace your entry in the Indy 500. Um, this isn't about taking your job. It's about building a longer table and hopefully we're making little progress. And the congregation says, amen. amen. Beth, appreciate you, pal. Go Thank you uh, all. and kick more ass as you normally do. And, uh, we'll look forward to not only seeing you in the month of May, seeing Simona as well. And, uh, I, I think we got to make sure we do at least one or two of these little Twitter spaces events with you and uh our our swiss ass kicking yeah, friend you need as to ask well her about that bobsled yes uh, you know she's might become the first full-time bobsledder part-time indycar racer right it's a little niche side side mm-hmm. gig for her beth thank you and thanks to everybody for joining in here for this uh kind of impromptu episode with beth also a big thanks to cooper tires and the justice brothers and torontomotorsports.com be back next monday our usual time slot at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, the Hashtag Racing Family Show. Me and my co-host, Chris Wheeler. I don't know who we're going to have, but we'll talk more nonsense and have more fun. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in. We'll speak to you soon.